So that is your room over there. This is the bed that you always sleep in. Yes. Yes. There it is. Right in the front. <laughs> it's right in front and it's completely open to the rest of the house. And you have strangers in here all the time. They were strangers before I met them and invited them in and then they're not strangers anymore. I'm Steph. I'm Rachel. And we want to know pretty much everything about pretty much everyone we meet. Welcome to Sit on the Floor. I never wear black, and I'm wearing black, and you're wearing black. Everybody's I know, it's so funny. It's a vibe. And We're you've all... got blue toenails, and I've got blue socks. I don't think I've ever... I've definitely never worn all black and blue shoes. Wow, wow. I noticed that we are all kind of matching. It's funny mm-hmm. how that works. Meant to be. <laughs> Meant to be. Serendipitous here. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, right, so... get started. Your name is Stacy Hoover? That's correct. And Rachel and I came across your home, which you call the Bywater Wonderland, and it's in Bywater, New Orleans, Louisiana. And we came across it because my friend Amanda, who went to the same college as Rachel and I, um, reached out when she knew I was in the area and was like, I'd love for you to say, to see the space that I'm staying at. Um, and then we looked it up because she said what the name of it was. And we saw the website and everything and read a little bit about your story. And we were like, oh my gosh, this is incredible. Um, so I guess to begin, I feel like it's important to try and describe the space. And Rachel and I were talking, we were like, how are we going to try and describe this? And it's like, it feels kind of impossible, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Um, so we wanted to ask you if you would give it a shot. Well, it's filled with it's filled with lots of memories and activated objects, things that have magic attached to them, just the magic of the moment, that interpersonal connection that you have one with another. And most everything is 100 years old about or more. Wow. The things that you see, like the flowers and the stars, um, those are from Mardi Gras of days gone by, Mardi Gras carnival themes of days gone by here at this house. One year we had the theme, beautiful flowers, and they were everywhere. All the, you know, silk flowers all over the house, real flowers all over the house, and then the stars were a gold star, and the theme was, you know, if someone does a particularly good job, I'm going to give them a gold star, a little sticker. So throughout the year, I gave everybody a sticker. And so how old is this house? Well, it was built in the mid-1880s, and it took about two years for them to build it. It was built by a family of builders named Charbonnet, and then they sold it to the folks who owned this brewery in the French Quarter that I think you guys might have been near today, called Jack's Brewery. And he was the the main guy of that place, and he would have big parties here all the time. The windows would open all the way up, and people would dance in and out of the parlor onto the porch and back in and things like that. How much fun is that? And uh, then after that, this nice family, the Fourchets, bought the house, and then they sold it to me, their descendants. But Mr. Jackson of Jack's Brewery, he died in this bathtub in the main house. So there's a big story all about that in there. And then two years after he died, there was a fire that took down the second floor of this house. And 
then they just rebuilt an attic. So it changed the nature of it. But left the energy inside of it of all the parties that he used to have. Yeah, this city is full of energy. It is. It is, like, in a way that other cities are not. Um, I just feel like there's so much history here and a lot of loss and a lot of rebuilding um, which is really interesting and it's interesting how this home like right from the start um, there's all of these parties and great gatherings so whenever you mention something like there's a lot of loss that you feel here I think you also feel the opposite which is the the new creation right here the city really beckons like creation of uh artistic endeavors and people who maybe have not ever really fully explored their creative selves they come in here and their uh i guess self-consciousness is abandoned and then they are able to just dive in and release those you know artistic things that they've always kind of had in the back of their head but never have done it and that's what this house aims to aims to do to bring that to the surface in all individuals who enter play around and do something creative i don't know what feel i i don't know i want to talk about you coming to new orleans because that's an interesting story and then but i also want to keep talking about the house because (laughs) the house is what's so crazy about it is that it's you open it to the public and people can come in and just walk through Let's, I wouldn't don't try not to say open to the public okay because it's not a public space it's not a commercial space and mm-hmm. so it's important that we don't act like it's something for the public but what it is for is for new friends and I've never met a stranger that type of a thing like and I sit on the front porch and someone passes by and I welcome them in like I did with Amanda did she tell you that story of how she came to be here she did, but I'd love to hear yeah, your sure. side of it. Sure. Okay. <laughs> so lots of times I'll be sitting on the front porch of the house and people will walk by. It sits back off the road a little bit and it has gardens that keep changing. Sometimes there are lots of flowers. Sometimes it's overgrown. Sometimes there are a lot of fruit on the table uh, on the porch and somebody might look over and say, what a beautiful house something like that what do you think happens in there and then I'll say well come on in let's take a look around and so then I meet a new person how often does that happen well if I'm sitting out there on that porch probably like every 15 minutes Mm, really and then so I get to meet so many people and I get to become friends with so many people and for example your friend Amanda what happened with that she about three years ago now two and a half three years ago she and her pal who were visiting town walked by and they looked up at the disco ball and said wow that looks like fun and I said come on in and take a look around and so we did and we made a nice personal connection and we talked deeply about some things and I said we're having a little small dance party here tonight would you like to come and so then the friends did Amanda came with her friend and we danced around and uh, got to know each other better and better and then I gave her uh, my number and said well if you ever want to move here, I have some apartments that are available from time to time. And so she did. And now she's here. <laughs> How many people live here? It varies. It just varies. It can be it can be any amount. Like Pretty what's much. the range? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it does vary. It's 
two houses, two totally separate houses. And usually I am fully immersed in the main house. And then maybe, maybe there might be a total of six people throughout the houses, both of the houses, sometimes eight, depending on if it, they're couples or what it is. And maybe sometime there might be a sleepover and there might be 20 people here, but that wouldn't be a long-term. <laughs> Do you have a way of discerning the people that you would invite to stay long-term? Well, that's an interesting question. I think that it it's nice when, again, people come to express their creativity. Also, sometimes people are just fumbling and trying to figure out their way in life, and that's okay, too. They can come and they can be inspired by what's around here and hopefully go away with a better experience. But, you know, it's very exciting whenever people are fully formed in their creative notions already, and then they come here just to hone them. That's my favorite. <laughs> That's my very favorite. <laughs> right now we have a, a screenwriter staying here who is one of the most interesting people I've ever met. And um, we have some volunteers that have come to help out. You know, that's a wonderful thing. They just volunteer their time to come and do some physical projects like tend to the garden or help get ready for our annual Halloween party, things like that. And then they stay in one of the, the apartments complimentarily while they're here. The Halloween party's coming up. Are you having one this year? We are. We're going to have a little Halloween party. Always it caps it at about 40 people for the Halloween party. We used to have a big Halloween party. But then it gets a little out of hand because that energy is a little bit, you know, it can get kind of dark. Everybody's got the darkness in them. Everybody's got the lightness in them. Can you explain how it gets dark? Well, you know how it gets just in general, dark and spooky and scary. And you can feel the positive energy in this house. And then whenever a lot of people that absorb and maybe the, and want to what do you call it, want to um, live in the negative, scary, not that scary is always negative, but that darker Halloween vibe, not saying that it's bad, it's just not my the one that I want to dance around in all the time. Everybody's got it. I've got a little darkness, that's for sure. But um, hard to tell what that's like. It just it's really hard to describe. Uh, yeah. It's really hard to describe. But uh, maybe nobody really gets angry or mad. But instead of joyful sounds, out of their mouth sometimes comes confrontational things. Unclear. I follow. <laughs> Unclear answer. I follow. Okay, so I'm really interested to know how you chose to move to New Orleans because you're from Ohio is that correct I grew up in Ohio in the Amish country and went to the school of the art institute in Chicago for a couple of years and then went back to the farm and stayed there for a while and one night in the night I had a dream that was an image of a beautiful old building and fog rolling in and then a little crest was on the building and there was like a sound in the dream that said New Orleans in kind of a whispery, gently way. And I'd never really thought much about New Orleans. 
it was about 1986 or seven, whenever I, I guess 1988, actually, when I had that dream. And in 85, they had the World's Fair here. So maybe it was in the air. But um, I had, I just thought, heck, I'm going to take this $400. I'm going to fill my car with all my stuff. And I'm just going to drive down there. And so I did and found a place to rent. And I said, nice lady, can I just give you $400 and no security deposit and Tony Wendell. She was very kind. She said yes. So then I moved in. That was in the French Quarter. So you came on a whim. On a whim. On a whim. And then I just stayed, basically. You came here because you heard the phrase New Orleans whispered to you in a dream. That's true. In the night. Mm-hmm. Wow. Sleeping. Mm-hmm. And so you just came. So did you not feel like attached to anything really like where you were well you know when you're in your early 20s you kind of want to float around like you're floating around experimenting with different things and it just felt really right i've always been a person who wants to and tries hard 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 to um, trust your intuition and go with that and so that was a really big you know kind of a visible intuition pushing me here were you scared was I scared well I never really been too scared of being scared I used to do strange things in art school like oh this I don't know why I'm telling you this but I'll tell you this I don't know if I want you to tell everybody this but um in art school I would watch the news and then if there was a horrible thing that happened in a horrible area or a wonderful area just whenever something terrible happened the next night at the same time I'd put on my dad's leather jacket and my headphones and I would walk through that scary spot where that terrible thing happened at the same time that it happened and then in the French Quarter whenever I you know I well one of my first jobs I um had to work really late at night and sometimes I didn't come home till three or four in the morning. And as I was coming home, I would always walk past Jackson Square right in front of the cathedral. And I would do a game where I would close my eyes and walk on this kind of wide, shallow step in front of the cathedral as far as I could, trusting myself to not fall off. In the middle of the night, it seems like it's kind of risky and scary. Yeah. And why would I ever do that? But I had never had anything terrible happen. Were you kind of seeking that out? I don't want anything terrible to happen, no, but just I feel like if you trust your intuition and you're, you're open, you maybe not have the bad things occur. So why did you do that? Do which? Both. Both? To what not ca- what feel, you? to not feel afraid, just to think I'm doing this I, I didn't even have any fear at that of those things I don't know I have never really looked into that maybe that's what the theme next year will be for the house fear I don't know probably not yeah I'm just I'm just curious got to dive I'm, in I'm curious to kind of like understand what would like drive you to to do that maybe to dispel it to think mm. something terrible happened there something neutral can happen there mm. I'm here to observe it and um, just on the topic of leaving and coming here, what was it like, like growing up in the Amish country? And then like, I'm, I'm wondering 
Was there any type of pushback that you received from leaving and going somewhere new? Um, was there anything there that was tough about it? My parents always wanted me to stay close to home like I bet most folks would like. And um, there were some things in my life at that point that they wished weren't like that. But I, uh, you know, was real hard-headed about it and did those things anyway. Like what? What things? Oh, there's a man involved. And <laughs> that's all we'll there's say. There's always a man involved. <laughs> there's always a man. Not always. Not, there's no man involved right now. Well, that's mm. great. That's great. But <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, in the in those in those moments when it's like something, mm -hmm. there's there's some type of conflict with the parents when you're young. It's like <laughs> that's. <laughs> but the thing that was way stronger than my connection to that man was that connection to that voice in the dream in the night that said New Orleans, and so that is the thing. That's the reason that I. I don't know, that's not the reason, but that's why I'm here and why I feel so strong about it, because I trusted that initial intuition and I didn't look back. So was it like you had the dream and then the next day you started getting ready to... It started getting ready, yeah. I started planning this trip down here like that right away. Right away, mm -hmm. okay, wow. wow. And you weren't worried about the $400? No, <laughs> I knew I could make more. Why did you have such confidence? Oh, who knows? I'm a Leo. Probably something to do with that. <laughs> you know what? I'm a Leo too. <laughs> and it's funny that you say that because, um, so Rachel and I, in doing this trip, as we said, we're on a cross-country road trip. We're moving across the country. We both quit our jobs, our safe, secure, steady jobs, um, and, you know, we initially had the plan like, oh, you know, we're going to do the, the normal thing. We're going to line another one up. We're going to, you know, f do it the quote unquote right way to appease everybody. And the family will not be worried and we'll have something to tell everyone when they ask. And it's just so funny because, you know, as it got closer and closer and closer and we kept kind of feeling the situation out and evaluating how we felt, I think we both reached a place of like, no, like, we just got to go into this completely open to whatever opportunities come out of it. And um, I ask you that of like, why did you feel so confident in in moving with $400, you know, following this, this intuitive call on a whim? Because I feel like I'm finding myself doing the same thing. And it it feels similar to what you just said of like this kind of, grain of confidence that I'm not really sure where it comes from, but it's this, um, I think it's a, tr a trust in something bigger than myself. And to some that might sound naive, but yeah, I think it's just this approach of like, you know what, like I know that I am committed to living out my most authentic life, whatever that means. And I know that I'm committed to doing that um, at the same time as being okay. <laughs> and it doesn't need to be neatly and concretely explainable to everybody else because, you know, we know what we're doing and we know how committed we are and we know we're going to be okay. 
Consider the idea that intuition used to be an actual sense like sight or scent or taste or touch and hearing whenever you would like sound, whenever you would be, for example, going to cross the street and cars, you see and hear a car coming, you're not gonna cross the street. But if everybody trusted their intuition just as much as they trust their ears, everybody would be living a much more powerful and joyful and together life. So in talking about coming here, I'm wondering what happened when you got here? Well, when I first got here, I didn't meet too many people. I kind of stayed to myself. But then two years later, I felt like a bird being freed from the cage and um, flying all around and all the pretty things that I had seen through the cage, but now I'm able to go out and talk to and be with. I thought, how am I going to activate all those possible new friendships. So I thought, I've got a deck of cards. I'm going to make an invitation and put it on each playing card. And then when I see those interesting people that I saw when I would be walking back home from work or at work or um, just going to the coffee shop or things, I'm going to give them one of these invitations and invite them to my Halloween party. I still have some of the invitations from that party. And some of those, for most of those people are still my friends today. Wow. So what I'm getting from this is that you love people. I love them. And I like to experience that deep connection. And I like to bonnet, I guess, allow people to have a place where they can experience a deep connection one with another. Why do you think you're like that? My mom and dad were wonder, are well, they're still alive. They're wonderful people who did similar sorts of things. They, one of my favorite things as a kid, was um, we had this log cabin that we lived in and I'd be, my bedroom was in one of the lofts and mom and dad would have these lovely big parties down below. And uh, sometimes there'd be live music and sometimes there'd be card playing and dancing and things like that. So I loved listening to the sounds of the party as I fell asleep. And so sometimes today even I have a party and my bed is right here, you know, in the room where the parties happen, part one of the rooms where the parties happen and I just will tuck myself in and go to sleep while the party's going on. Oh my God. So that is your room over there. This is the bed that you always sleep in. Yes. Yes. There it is. Right in the front. (laughs) It's right in front and it's completely open to the rest of the house. And you have strangers in here all the time. They were strangers before I met them and invited them in, and then they're not strangers anymore. I'm just, I'm, I'm so, so I think this is incredible. This is amazing that you're, that you're like this, but it's so unique. And I'm, I'm just so curious as to where it comes from, because like, how would you explain it? to people who are so not like this, who are like the opposite, or like they, you know, don't like people, they don't, or, you know, maybe they like people, but they don't feel any sort of drive to like solicit new connection so regularly. Like, how would you explain it to someone, where that drive comes from? Right off the top of my head, it sounds like, are there people really like that out there? Aren't they all like me? (laughs) Really? 
Really? Yes, it is like that. Yeah, I always feel like, why do people think it's such an unusual way of living, the way that this house is? Whenever they come in here, sometimes they'll say, what is this? I'm like, it's my, it's my house. <laughs> it's so weird. But there must be something different about it. And I guess that's what you say. Because I'm not, I don't want, I don't have anything to hide. Maybe a lot of people have something to hide or something they don't want to share with other people that they want to like save for later or something. But where does, but where does that drive come from, do you think? Well, probably because the drive probably comes from really feeling like anything, it all could end at any moment. That's probably it. Like the world could explode and at least we've gotten all these wonderful connections uh, and lived each moment to be its best. And I don't, I don't know, but don't you find the very, mo- your most favorable, memorable, your most memorable, joyful moments are when you are totally open with another person and maybe with a group of people but it mainly one person and just share it because it's really easy to do with one person but when you have a real open connection with a lot of people like when I have a, a party here and we're dancing everybody's in that connection and that is what I think life is worth living for so let's have that as much as we can um, what kind of impact do you think the weather has on this area and living here? I think the impact of the extreme weather makes, I think the impact of the extreme weather is something that uh, adds to the carpe diem of this beautiful town and that makes it really tangible and makes people really feel like a lot of times you go to like to a suburban place, not that there's some, anything wrong with suburban things, but tend to be people that like a calm, quiet, regular existence with all the houses maybe, you know, being regulated to be the same color and shape. Nothing wrong with that at all. But here it's very different. All the colors of the houses are just wild and crazy and the way that they're put together. And, you know, I have big had the big clock on the front of the house until right before the hurricane came, like eight feet tall, round clock. Um and things like that decorate the whole front of the house with flowers or stars and things like that um so i think all of those things just uh the weather enhances everybody's magic energy mm. i don't even know how to say that how do you say that the threat of the terrible weather makes people live yeah make them live live strongly and mm. wildly and tangibly, it's like you can feel it more here. You can feel life more here. I can, at least, than other places. Not every other place. There are other places in the world that have this type of vibe as well. But this is one of them. So it seems like what you're getting at is there's this this heightened sense of vitality here. Great way to put it. And... It kind of goes hand in hand with the um, the threat to it, exactly, and the the danger, exactly. I guess. And yeah, and I I see that, and I have that in me too. And sometimes I ask myself, I get into this mode where I'm like, "What's wrong with me? <laughs> like, why, you know, why do I need that?" 
you know, like some type of chaos or just that why like why does the chaos go hand in hand with the aliveness and why do i need it and why can't i just be satisfied with what you just said the peaceful normal regular you know suburban like do you ever question no because chaos is our natural state the other stuff is faking out and like contrived so chaos is where it's at say more that's true it's true chaos is where it's at you know um once i was uh setting a whole bunch of candles 500 electric candles on the stage at the apollo theater to for a wonderful remembrance and i was placing them very intentionally all around and then the wife of the amazing fellow who left the planet and made his exit into the clouds that we were doing this for um she came up to me and she says just make it a little more random and then she's just tossed them and then we had conversation later on about chaos and it just really hit home and that is exactly what it is chaos is chaos is our natural state fling the candles all around don't line things up have an idea and do it right away. Don't think about it. Like, I always just have the idea, like I woke up one morning when I first bought this house, I'm like, I want an outdoor shower. Bam, that night, $700 later, I had an outdoor shower, right there. I didn't even plan it, think it. I'm like, I got these extra bricks, I'm putting them down, I just put it over there, done. Everybody else, not everybody, but some other people that I know, really lay it out and plan it out and place it on the table, make a model of it, do it this way, do it this way and then activate it. Not saying that that's wrong, but the way that I do it, using the intuition and moving forward into chaos. And I love having too many things on my plate so that I can't do everything 100% and I have to trust the universe. I'm doing that like right now, literally this whole time, as you know, because I canceled our first get together because some wonderful thing popped up and then I went and did that wonderful thing instead of this wonderful thing and then juggle, juggle, juggle. And then everything hits its stride. Like this is the perfect time of day to have this conversation. And Amanda was here. And so we had all the things, all everything lined up. When you trust chaos, chaos and intuition must be linked. I didn't really think of that, but they must be. Well, I like what you say about chaos being our natural state, um, because I think that if you try to plan your life, no matter how hard you try, and no matter how meticulously you plan, life will always throw you something else. Like, you can't avoid the chaos. I know. Sometimes I think planning is just a big waste of time. It is. (laughs) It is, because it, it will just never fully go that way. Some things will, and then something else will happen. This episode of Sit on the Floor was hosted by Stephanie Tonneson and Rachel Sear and produced by Stephanie Tonneson. If you enjoyed it, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. To see photos of the space this episode was recorded in, or to make a donation to the show, visit sitonthefloorpod.com. Otherwise, we'll see you on the next episode.